welcome to the new season of the Second Victim Podcast. Let's talk about supporting health professionals when something goes wrong. After some months of silence, we came back with new episodes. These episodes are focused on describing second victim support programs or other related interventions in a simple way. We selected 10 second victim support programs and in each episode you can listen to people that are leading or making part of these interventions. Are you ready to start this journey with 10 inspired spots? This podcast is part of the Ernst Training School and I'm the Ernst Training School Coordinator. My name is Sofia Garapaiva and thank you so much for spending your time with us. Today we'll talk with Dr. Katja Skruder from Southern Denmark. Dr. Skruder is midwife and public health researcher, and she was leading the Buddy Study, a peer support program for second victims developed in two Danish hospital departments during 18 months. And today we have the pleasure to have a conversation with her. So Dr. Skruder... Thank you so much for participating in the Second Victim Podcast. As you know, we are starting the new season of podcast and we are so happy that we can count with your presence today to open it and to talk about the Buddy Study Program. I'm really curious about our conversation today and uh, I could previously read your publication available on open access uh, and we can find it on BMC Health Services Research. And it seems that the results are promising and both departments decided to continue the body study program. Can you describe us a little bit more about the program? Yes, Sophia, thank you. And thank you very much for uh, inviting me here. I, it's a great honor to uh, be able to talk to you and to uh, contribute to your, your great work with these uh, podcasts. So thank you for that. Um, the story behind the body study is actually that I have been doing research for many years on second victims in a Danish context. And um, when I did that as part of my PhD, Ending, ending that sort of mapping of second victims, and this was in midwifery and obstetrics in, uh, in Denmark. We did a national study in that. Um, the sort of follow-up questions everyone was asking was, so what do we do about it? <laughs> because one thing is understanding that this is something that goes on and this is something that healthcare professionals may struggle with. Uh, but the next question is, then what do we do to, to support them? So that was sort of our endeavor to design the body study based on the literature pointing in one direction saying that peer support or talking to peers actually is the most asked for um, need after an adverse event. We really want to discuss this with our colleagues because they're the ones who understand the professional the dilemmas, the clinical decision making and also perhaps the emotional response to uh, to these types of events. Uh, so we wanted to build a support program based on peer support. Um, secondly, we did some focus groups with midwives and uh, doctors to include them in the process. What do you think would work for you in, in this department? What type of program are you interested in? How do you want us to design it? who should participate, should it be voluntary or compulsory, 
all these types of questions. Um, we did that as sort of um, a pre-work before we we set up the program. So that was sort of the history of 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 getting to to design the body study. And the content of this uh, particular program is um, is uh, a very central part is that everyone in the department had to attend a two-hour seminar on the second victim phenomena. So the getting a mutual understanding of what happens and what is already described in the literature. As a researcher, this is perhaps basic. We know a lot about second victims already. But working as a clinician, you may not have read these articles. You may not have the um, knowledge that this is actually something that is well described. And I'm not the only person in the world experiencing these type of uh, emotional responses to adverse events. So all healthcare professionals in the department had to attend this seminar about second victim, about listening skills and about body talks. How do we support each other as peers? After that uh, seminar, everyone had to choose two buddies uh, from their group of peers. And that could be interprofessional, but um, it, the, the main thing was that it was self-selected relations, as we called it. If an adverse event happened after this, um, and you agree that your buddy is notified, the notification happens through the manager or the charge midwives at the ward or in the department. And then it's the responsibility of the buddy to contact the second victim. And we sort of reversed this, uh, um, how can we say, the way things should be done, that normally very often we say, oh, I'm here for you. Let me know if I can do anything for you. You just reach out. But we know from a lot of other research that people don't do that. We do not reach out when we uh, find ourselves struggling with something. So that's why we we arranged it that the buddy should be the person reaching out, actually taking the contact. And the first contact uh, had to be done within the first 24 hours, ideally, uh, possibly 48 hours, but ideally within the first 24 hours. Um, and that first contact could be, I've heard you've been in an adverse event. I am on my way to a night shift myself. Can we talk the day after tomorrow? So it's it's not necessarily a, a major buddy talk um, there and then. It's it could also just be an agreement. I will we will talk the day after tomorrow. Um, so that's sort of the the basic um, structure of the program and the content of the program. Yes, and the, also the the talk can be in person. And also uh, just by call, uh, phone, right? So yeah. it, it depends. Um, it depends of the format that uh, the the involved people want, right? Uh, exactly. Mm -hmm. the, the idea of this is to make it as individualized as possible, because I think the past decade or two decades we have become more and more aware and more and more uh, working to more towards uh, seeing our patients as individuals not only with person-centered medicine if you like but also uh, understanding that people have different psychosocial needs in uh, when they are experiencing um, illness or crisis 
And the same goes for the healthcare professionals. We cannot make a one size fits all. Everyone must attend um, a face-to-face -face, uh, session within the first two days, blah, 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 because people don't work like that. And to some, that might become a stressor in itself. Oh, I have to go and attend something um, that I don't really feel up for. So the idea of having a personal buddy is that they can tap into where you're at at the moment, what's going on with you and what, what would be better for you. Would it be for us to meet and go for a walk or go for a coffee? Is it fine to just talk on the phone? Because sometimes you have loads of things on your program on top of going to work. You have a family, you have children to tend to, you have a husband going to work uh, late at night and you can't go and see <laughs> someone else. Uh, so so maybe the phone call is actually um, what would be um, the most helpful. Um, yeah, at that, at that particular, for that particular person. Mm -hmm. And it's it's really interesting because I saw that uh, in the article it's described that um, people that goes to the seminar uh, choose the body and then the body agrees to to be part uh, of the system as a supporter. Mm -hmm. So it's really mm -hmm. interesting this agreement before the something wrong happens. So it's like okay, I, I'm I agree to to be your buddy when something will not be okay uh, yeah. and this is really interesting uh, yeah and so and all, i think mm -hmm. i think that's that's one thing that you could um perhaps design differently because in a lot of cases we find that healthcare professionals they want to do these talks with the the other healthcare professionals who were involved in the event or who were there on, on that particular duty. Um, and other times it's, they don't want to talk to them. They want to talk to someone else. And that, that calls for a, a buddy that you already chose. But I, I think that that's a part that could be developed further is can we have the sort of uh, buddies that, we have on a list and he's all, he or she is always my buddy, but I can also reach out and ask for another buddy because I really want to talk with the, with the persons who were involved in the event. Um, yeah. But, okay. but what mm -hmm. we found in the evaluation is that when someone selects you, people feel quite humbled and also honored in a way and they really step up I mean okay Sophia put this trust in me so I want to make sure she's fine not only when there's been an adverse event but in general I, I pay a little bit more attention to her because she she showed me that trust so and I think in these large organizations that we have built in this sort of centralized specialized uh, care we have now we have very large organizations and we, we don't have the best uh, possibility to uh, bond uh, and, and create close relations with our colleagues because uh, there's it's such a huge uh, number of staff there. So, so having a buddy is something that, that gives you that uh, sort of safe space, safe relation, if you like, um, in general. Totally. And um, you use pre-existing resources, so you didn't uh, create the will. 
<laughs> in this system. It's really interesting uh, yeah. that you just use uh, the people that were already in the departments that are um, available to help each other. They want that they are willing to 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 do it, and um, yeah. so it's really it's really good. Can you just tell us, like, in a short way? why you decided to do this? Yeah, I think what, what you'd have to understand is that in a Danish context, we already have a very well sort of developed patient safety system, if you like. So everything that addresses the patient safety issue of the adverse event is already in place. So the specially skilled or trained people who takes care of that, the risk managers or the patient safety key persons in the department are already in place and they, this system works quite well in, in the Danish uh, setting. So what we needed to add to this was the sort of uh, emotional, the psychological uh, first aid, if you like, um, to look after the healthcare professionals and make sure that we, we don't just address this as a patient safety event that we have to learn from and uh, understand how to make it, do it better next time. Um, but it's also understanding that there's a human being who leaves work feeling that today I, I did something or I overlooked something and it had real consequences for another human being. And I feel really bad about that. So who we wanted to make sure that someone was there to, to look after them and not just addressing, like I said, the patient safety issue. So from that perspective, it's we have huge resources in the department already because all nurses, all doctors, all midwives are educated and trained in looking after people in crisis. This is what they do every day. And we, we just wanted to extend those competences to include their colleagues as well. And we did some exercises in the seminar addressing just that, understanding what type of emotional responses are normal and what is requested. And they did some exercises putting up, um, and we, we have a paper coming out uh, about these this particular exercise as well, which made it very clear to everyone, okay, so what is asked for is something I am very capable of giving because it's basic listening skills, understanding, compassion, being non-judgmental, uh, being curious, asking how do you feel, what, what happened, because what we tend to do sometimes is because we're so overloaded with our own uh, previous adverse events or something like that, that we sometimes forget to listen and we just sort of take over the conversation and tell, oh, that happened to me once and let me tell you all about that. So reminding people what, you know, what is asked for is someone to be there, uh, to walk along with the person uh, for the first couple of weeks while things are very unsettling and uh, and you feel very concerned about what's going to happen to the patient and, and things like that. Okay. Thank you so much for this short uh, description of the short and also so fulfilled. So it's really uh, interesting to listen from from you uh, that you were leading the, the body study program, um, all these aspects. 
Um, so now we will move forward for the barriers and facilitators of this peer support implementation. So can you just mention, mention like uh, one, two uh, barriers and facilitators that you found when you were implementing the peer support program? Yes, of course. Um, I think one of the great facilitators was the fact that we had done the pre-work with the focus groups because that was a help in terms of communicating this to the the healthcare professionals at the department in general that we had already spoken to a group of them and they had asked for us to make it compulsory to attend the seminar um, and and the reason for doing that was because they wanted to signal that this is something that can happen to all of us not just the sort of very junior staff not just the ones who are not resilient it can happen to all of us so that was definitely a facilitator that really helped us to implement this in the department that this was requested by their colleagues um, and also like I said that it was adjusted to the local context. What do you think is relevant for you? So it wasn't a top-down decision, this is what you have to do. Um, but they were actually sort of co-producing this uh, program. And I think that's a very important point if you want to do anything similar in terms of support programs is actually involve the users uh, of the program in the process. Some of the barriers was... First of all, like with any other project, I mean, we are implementing in a very, very busy department. And there are loads of other projects. There's loads of other newsletters and things that they, you have to be constantly up to date with this, that, the other. So making it visible, reminding people to use it, things like that was uh, a challenge that uh, that I think all, all projects uh, run into. Um, and we we address that by making posters, by making pocket leaflets. Uh, I attended some staff meetings to remind them about the program. And what they said at this sta these staff meetings as well was that they have a very high bar, if you like. Uh, you know, when do I call for my buddy? Well, someone has to die, basically. I mean, because they are so used to dealing with this by themselves so there's a culture of not reaching out if you like and they were when we talked about it in in the departments the healthcare professionals were very aware that that there was it was a slow culture change if you like uh, uh, because we sort of brought up to be um, to take on the responsibility and uh, you know it's no use me sitting in the corner crying about it i have to move on get on with things yeah yeah totally totally i have to be strong i have to yeah in some way i have to manage it yes. yeah exactly exactly and then i think another barrier as well is just on a very practical level having all these buddy lists when i when we did it in the very beginning was was just a matter of a few hours getting getting the list done and getting everyone to um, uh, consent that they would be someone's buddy and so on but after that as as when it becomes everyday life again people go on maternity leave people leave the department new ones come in so there's a, a there's a bit of a work uh, updating this list and uh, 
it's it's not a huge task, but it, someone has to be responsible to do it, and uh, and um, that's something to be aware of as well. Okay, and about the the, the results, the feedback, uh, we are now just uh, talking about barriers and facilitators, but also we are mm -hmm. introducing some um, feedback from the program and, yeah. and results. We can now move forward to this topic. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so we we did an evaluation. Um, I mean, first of all, the the seminars in themselves uh, were evaluated extremely positive. I mean, being sat in a room with your colleagues for two hours talking about these uh, experiences, being sort of um, uh, getting to know about the second victim phenomenon was very positively evaluated, and. The idea that we have all attended the same seminar, we have all we have got like a mutual language to talk about this. Uh, people found extremely useful. Um, so what they found as benefits of the program when we did uh, questionnaires after we the program had been in the department for eighteen months, uh, and we also did some interviews, uh, was that first of all that it encourages an open and compassionate culture that it sort of contributed to an increased awareness about the implications of adverse events. Um, and the second part was that it increased the attentiveness to the well-being of colleagues after adverse events, but also, like I said, in general, I have become a little bit more aware of, um, of how you're doing. And uh, it also established sort of an awareness that it can happen to all of us, these type of events, and it created a greater willingness to talk about errors in, in general. And then the third thing was that the self-selected relations creates this uh, safe space for sharing. So when we feel uh, guilty or feel ashamed or feel very uncertain about our professional um, clinical decision-making, these emotions are not something that you just share with anyone. I mean, it, it takes really a um, safe relation for you to share that type of uh, existential um, emotions and thoughts. And, and they found that having selected that relation themselves uh, was of great importance um, to them. Now, some of the challenges of the program was that um, it was uh, stated uh, that the peer support, it's, it's valuable, but it should not stand alone. And I have to say it did not stand alone in, in our project, but that's just an important reminder that this should be an add-on to uh, other existing um, support opportunities there has to be the possibility to see a psychologist or hospital priest if you need that um and we had that opportunity built in in our program as well um and also it's great and very important to talk to my peers but i still need the support of my manager and i think that's uh, very essential as well that the managers don't feel oh Someone else is dealing with that. I don't have to. I don't have to talk about uh, this event with her, because um, when you feel shaken and you feel I'm not a very good doctor, I'm not a very good midwife, because that is something that you may feel um, after an adverse event. You need your manager to say 
the exact opposite. You know, I don't think any less of you for making this mistake. I know exactly what you're going through right now. Uh, and I, I'm fully behind you. And I, I want to find a way that we can support you to stay stay on board. And uh, and if you need, you know, some uh, someone by your side in the beginning while you do these crucial decisions the next few times, you know, we will find a way to do that because I still think of you as a great a great doctor. So the managers really have a huge responsibility and, and you know, a peer support program can't um, um, substitute that, if you like. We also found in the evaluation that some of the healthcare professionals found that I already have a buddy. <laughs> the sort of informal peer support is already in place. We don't need this type of formalized system because every time I encounter some difficulties in my work life, I always call Sophia and uh, we talk about it. Or we always drive in the same, we commute together in the in by car and, and we always talk about what happened during the day. And obviously, if you're lucky enough to have a close relation already established, uh, but you carry on doing that. You don't need the formalized system. But we need to have a formalized system for all the people who don't have uh, a buddy already, um, and we have lots of them in our organizations. And then the final part, like I said to you already, Sophia, is uh, that it needs continuous updating and visibility to have a program like this. Um, yeah, I think those were the main sort of... Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Scruder, for sharing all this great information. And it's really motivating for, at least for me, I think for the listeners to, to see these great results, the great feedback, and also all the information that you, you are sharing with us that uh, for the ones that want to start a, a program, a support program, can see uh, in your buddy study program uh, some uh, also lines to 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 feel and to to try to 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 follow so it's it's really it's really really important so i hope that we can continue to see great results uh, from the buddy study program i see that uh, you already are working on the next uh, article uh, yes to, so and we have a, a third department included in a different region in denmark now who who uh, they're doing the evaluation in this spring um, so we will look into that as well perfect yeah. perfect <laughs> so thank you so much uh, again we will now uh, close the, the the podcast and we hope that this information was uh, great for for the listeners also to get some motivation from the great work that is being done in denmark thank you so much thank you sophia Thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> If you at home want to know more about the Buddy Study, you can read the published article clicking on the link in the description below. If you want to know more about the ENS Cost Action, about the ENS Training School, you can also check the description for more information. We are happy to announce that the calls for the second face-to-face -face training school are already open. We would be happy to receive your application to join us next September 2023 in Wiesbaden, Germany. See you soon and stay tuned.